The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. surprise happen i'm not surprised i forgot to do the audio recording until right now so podcast listeners welcome <laughs> to the show. Um, walter and i have already introduced ourselves and we're just gonna ignore the part about liquid sister that we just mentioned because it makes me feel icky and wrong and just pretend that this is where we started go team <laughs> i'm sure the stream is gonna be very happy at uh, how well organized i am already but uh, yeah i mean uh, yeah, no, this was, is gonna it be. It was. It was okay. Straightforward, and and there was a thread on Reddit that I actually agree with. Like, yo, like the quarterfinals should be stompy. Like, it's the number one seeds out of each of the group versus the number two seeds out of the group. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the four best teams versus maybe the four next best teams. Like, maybe one of those two seeds are better than one seed, but like, it's not going to be all four. And it was pretty obvious when we saw the draws that. Yeah, there there were four good teams and there were four mediocre teams. Yeah, and and for the record, I think that you know the one argument you can make is maybe Group C. If it hadn't been paired with Albus Noxlona, maybe there would have been a two seed beating a one seed. That's the argument that I've heard thrown around, and I'm not sure it's, whether I agree or not. It's 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 not really fair to Albus Noxlona to say that yeah. like. They are the least deserving of the teams. They made it through their group. They beat the opponents in front of them. They beat the they Rock Tigers in a game. They like, beat them, yeah. Like. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to give them that. But, you know, at the same time, it, it's very rare that all four games not only go chalk, but go chalk so decisively. There was never a moment in any of these series where you thought the underdog could win. You know, Samsung series and H2K series were just blowouts. And when it came to the Korean teams, you almost felt like when they lost a game, they were just toying with the Chinese teams. It never See, felt like they were out of control. There was a moment, though, after that, that, that EDG win where I was just like, really? Maybe. Really? It, wasn't, it wasn't a firm, like, I want to go put money on these next two games and go, like, EDG is going to win this. But it was like, if I went to sleep right now and I woke up tomorrow morning, someone's like, oh, yeah, EDG reverse swept them. It would have been believable. Like, it wouldn't have been like, no, there's no joke. I have to go check the wiki right now. Like, if someone had said, like, yeah, EDG won the last two games, I would have been like, okay. If you said that about Royal, I would have laughed in your face because there was nothing that Royal did in their series that actually made me think they were going to beat Faker three times. But yeah, the EDG series, that, that, that had third game, there was definitely, definitely a little bit of magic that I was like, Maybe Death Solo carries this. You know what the magic Eight. was? The magic was that Smeb played Fiora out of pure disrespect. That was the magic. And when you're playing four on five, these things can happen. But we need to start from the beginning, because that's a very good place to start. And that was Samsung and Cloud9. Ugh. 
Well, to reclaimed Cloud Nine was a little fraudulent going into this series. A little fraudulent. Would you say that on a scale of one to ten, how fraudulent do we think Cloud Nine making it out of this group is? They shouldn't have left their them. hotel room. <laughs> they should have stayed in their hotels. That was abysmal. It was pathetic. It was embarrassing. That was one of the <sighs> worst played international League of Legends games that I've ever seen between a Western team and a and an Eastern team. That was awful, and honestly, those players should all be embarrassed that that was what they put up. I, it was embarrassing. That was awful. That was horrendous <laughs> to watch as a Western fan. I have no love lost for Jack and the Cloud Nine organization. It's very well documented yeah. on this podcast. It was part of my Q and A last week. Sorry for that. Oh my god. I was going. Oh god, Jack. Oh god. And then people are talking about afterwards, like, oh, you can't. You obviously can't win if you have sneakies or eighty carry. I'm like, okay, but but let's look at it this way. Uh. Who are you going to replace him with in North America? He's the third best AD carry in North America. Well, the, he's the second best North American citizen AD carry. I, I don't know, guys. Either get rid of Jensen and then you have to go to the mid lane talent, or you get rid of Impact and then you have to go to the top lane talent. Ah, North America's screwed. Yep. And that's really, I mean, it, it's well, funny because there, there's an argument of people, a constituent of people, I should say, that would argue. Well, look, North America had the second highest win rate amongst all of the regions involved at this tournament. You know, they all went three and three in the group stage. That's pretty nice. You know, we had one team make it to the quarterfinals. It's better than last year. This is improvement. And if improvement looks like an 0-3 loss to Samsung, in which it didn't look like they were on the same rift, like these teams I wanna, were just, I, I, I mean, wanna, that's I not a good sign. I want to take everyone back in time. I want to take everyone back... To a better day, okay. when that argument actually held some weight. Mm-hmm. Because I remember, God, it feels like it was yesterday, but it was two years ago. Mm. Two years where we got, I think it was two North American teams we did. into the quarterfinals. And I feel like we were playing against a similar organization. Um, <laughs> was it Apple? Was it Nokia? I don't know. Some cell phone based, like, Oh man! Thing technology company where they had two teams at worlds because back then this was possible. <laughs> and in our our stalwarts, our North American stalwarts, our our TSM and our TSMB team known as Cloud Nine, they went in there. We were all like, "Yes, we can do it!" And they lost both of them, lost three one. But we can hang our hats on that because damn it, both our teams took a game off the Koreans. Yeah, and now those we were not go. fraudulent wins in the slightest. You now, go back in that Samsung White game and totally believe that TSM yeah. was the better team on the Rift. Yeah, now, now we go, well, you know, we had the better group. We had the second best group stage record, you know, out of everyone. So obviously, <laughs> Erica deserves the deserves the consolation title. We deserve the unofficial world championship belt that G2 unrightfully stole <laughs> right before they left. Well, so. well, to be fair, had Albus Knox stolen it, that would have been an entirely <laughs> other issue. Can you just imagine the world championship belt? No, it's not H2A right now. Well, Actually, no, it'd be back on Rocks because Rocks on the, the tiebreaker. Yes, but oh, in oh. some other world. If G2, they would have been the one seed. And, oh, I don't even want to talk about it now. We're in another we, universe. Yeah, but if somehow Albus Knox, let's say they win that game and then just – I don't know how tiebreakers would have worked where they don't end up out of the groups. I guess that cleared them out, so they could not have kept it. 
But I just love the idea of the World Championship group stage being passed back and forth between Russian teams. The unofficial yeah, title. Yeah, Cloud9 was awful. That's really... We're avoiding talking about it for a reason. Can, can I just bring up the most important stat of this entire series? Absolutely. Impact went into this series with the most solo kills of any player in the tournament. Tied with Kuve. I think it was a little ahead of Kuve at the beginning of the it series. It was like they were, they were neck and they neck. They were neck they and were... neck. By the end of it, Kuve had gotten more solo kills in this series <laughs> than Impact had in the tournament. That's the stat that you need to remember. And Impact, if you remember, was the top laner that made Hansa look foolish and made all of us say, oh my god, Impact is back. He's better than he was on SKT. That is an Impact quote, he said. I am better than I was at SKT. Well, congratulations then. Cuve, a guy that a year and a half ago we were calling the worst top laner in Korea, just styled on you like you didn't exist. Long it was winner. I it, think he won the Long Panda Award. Like, <laughs> not even joking. Um, and I, I, I can think of a lot of people that maybe won the Long Panda Award this year. Yeah, I, I we can give it uh, to. I mean, we'll and we'll mention a few of them as we continue on in this podcast. But awful. I mean, none of it worked. It, none of, I mean, Sneaky looked bad. Smoothie looked like the flawed player that he was back when he was playing on TDK. It's like, bad when Medios looked like your best player on the rip. Yeah, that was not good. He and, did. And, like, and, and remember, they had to shift their entire band strategy in order to make sure, like, he was playing Rek'Sai, which isn't even a champion that any other team is prioritizing. Like, that's... That's what they had to do. They were so afraid of him playing like a Lee Sin or a Nidalee or even an Olaf to a certain extent. They're like, Rek'Sai, let's do it. Like, let's yeah. just go for global efficiency because if there's one thing Koreans can't handle, it's global but, pressure. But see, oh, that's, that was one of his issues was that his champion pool, what's he going to play? Well, he could play Lee Sin. Well, uh, nah, no, he can't. He plays Zach, and they didn't pick Zach at all. And it wasn't banned against them, so they just decided he didn't want to play Zach. Uh, and then like, during the regular season, it was Rek'Sai, it was Indrid, and it was Gragas. Those three champions uh, don't exist in the current jungle meta. I can't see them anymore. Like, they're gone. So, I just... I, And he still was their best player on the Rift. Like, that's the pathetic thing, is he was still the most consistent out of all five of the players... You know, game one, I think it was that Sneaky showed up. Game two, that was the game that Jensen showed up. Game three, no one showed up. Everyone just decided, yeah, vacation time. Like, we're in Chicago, let's go eat some pizza. So so game one, you believe that, did you say Sneaky showed up in game one? Because, okay, let me give you the stat line for uh, Cloud9's bottom lane throughout the entirety of the series was one kill, 27 deaths, and 22 assists. There was no game in which Sneaky showed up. Yeah. That bot lane was atrocious. They were outplayed by Ruler and Core JJ. And look, I understand Core JJ is a great Tom Kench in match three. You know, giving that to him, you'd really just kind of run out of ideas. But you also gave up Karma twice? Like, like, what was your plan, Reaper? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back, and you know, I, I'm the one who said I thought Reaper should have been the coach of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's, let's. But and look, yeah, at, at least he coached his team out of the group stage, right? But. Even then, you look at this these drafts, it's like, how do you keep giving away dominant laning pressure to Samsung in the bot lane? Like, you know you're not going to win the mid lane. Crown is too good. Jensen's going to be able to keep even. 
you're assuming going into the series that Impact is going to be able to beat Cuvee, and instead you keep putting them on things like Rumble. Like, I, like that was a weird thing to do in Game 1, and by that point, like, okay, you put him on Jace. Well, Jace needs a snowball. Is Meteos going to gank that way? No. Why? I don't know. Uh, but it gives Cuvee a free lane, and then in Game 3, you go to, you know, the, to the Jace again, and I guess that's kind of when it worked, but again... You have a bot lane that went 0-12-12 in that game. That was, that was the problem. I mean, the, at the end of the day, you know, Impact played okay. He wasn't as good as Cuvee, but he played okay. Uh, Meteos was not great. Um, Jensen was the best player on the team, but I still, I, I still think he was the sixth best player on the Rift, given how well Samsung was playing. And, and this is where you, you get into, like, yeah, what do you do if you're Cloud9? Like, what what AD carry? Like, do you pray that Alltech gets over his big stage issues and that he somehow isn't going to destroy the team? Because, I mean, you you can still take a second player from the Cloud9 Challenger, right? They have the rights to grab Alltech before they sell that team. Is if that's your plan, good luck. Like, I just that's that's the way I'd put it. As someone who has put my faith in Alltech before. If that's your honest-to-God plan, good luck. NA, it, NA is screwed. I, NA really is just blatantly screwed because there's not... Uh, <laughs> Impact said to GBM, and I, I think this is very true, it's not the Korean players. No. But it doesn't matter how bad the Korean player is, they're going to be pretty much equal across the board. It's who your North American players are, and I just look at the North American talent pool and just go, there are not enough players here to pair with a couple of Koreans to make this a super competitive region. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have three, maybe four teams that if they're the ones that just take all the really good players and soak them up, you're only going to have four good teams and then you're going to have six teams that have two Koreans and, and, and Kiwi Kid. I love Kiwi Kid. I love him. Stop it. I love Kiwi Kid. I love Kiwi Kid. Kiwi Kid is never playing a game of professional League of Legends. He wasn't good at League of Legends last year. I'll admit that. I love most years. Or most he wasn't years. good at it that yeah. Whatever. You know my love of Kiwi. I know, I know it was not do. good last year. I'm not, I'm not going to try that. To... Doesn't make, that doesn't make a competitive region. T- Taiwan is learning that, even though they don't like mix their teams up at all, apparently, as we learned today, that the Flash Wolves have re-signed everyone. Look, again. the fact that... You have to understand, that was not... We don't plan on making any changes. It's, we can't afford to let Karza, Maple, or Sword Art go to China. Please, for the love of God, don't go to China. That's all that was. If that means that we have to sign MMD and uh, NL for a while and then either pray that they get better or make changes later on in the offseason, like, they'll get out of those. They just need to lock down the three guys that matter on that team. I, I was fine with it as, as someone who likes that move. Though, I mean, y- you do make a good point, right? I mean, you look at Samsung, and they're the perfect example of what North America desperately needs. Homegrown talent. They took a year. They struggled. People gave them a whole bunch of crap. These players were garbage tier. We weren't going to see any of them ever do anything relevant in the scene. This was what we were saying, right? This is, you know, the idea that they had is that we are just going to rebuild and trust our organization, trust the coaches, trust the process, grab a guy like Ambition if you find someone who you think has potential and just was a, you know, needed a change of scenery, and you make a team off of that. And in North America, if any of these organizations had a history of developing talent, I would say go for it. But the only one that I can think of that has taken 
challenger talent and turned it into something that was meaningful. What team are you going to say? Phoenix won. That team went from being a bad team that had terrible visa issues to a team that managed to take series against good teams towards the end of the split. I mean, that's the trajectory you want, right? Tilt, I'm not saying tilt, look, I'm not tilt, saying they're a good team. Tilt, I'm saying that they are the team. Tilt, if you're looking at tilt. an organization with the money, finances, and potentially structure, you know, to to build an organization and to improve upon this year, keep the same roster and just improve bit by bit, that's the organization that can do it. You can make an argument maybe Echo Fox somehow pulls something off if they make the right free agent signings, but it's all a matter of, you know, do you think that you can grow players? That's, that's just a mess. And <laughs> I don't see who does it. I don't see which teams are doing Phoenix it. Phoenix 1 and Echo Fox are not like, they're not where you were at. Phoenix 1 started the season 0-9 and, and managed to avoid relegations. That's all, that's, I mean, they went. I, I wasn't expecting you to go to those two. I, I thought you were going to say, like, Team Liquid, but then they fell apart because team, of other. Team Liquid didn't develop talent. Issues. Well, Team Liquid's done the opposite of develop talent. Dardock, Matt Morwell? First of all, look, look at what happened to them towards the end of the split. Look at how Dardock has made himself a pariah that Team Liquid absolutely wants nothing to deal with, despite the fact that he's supposed to be one of the best North American talents we've gotten in forever. Look at how Lorlo just collapsed in the playoffs. They took talent. CLG, Sticks A, I... Sticks, yeah, Sticks look, It would have been a way example. better example. TSM had Biofrost. But I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the Samsung plan of a whole team of young guys. Like, we just start over from scratch and, with a young team of, of guys. None of those exist in North America. But, but that's just that, and that's why my analog is crap. That's why the metaphor falls apart. You cannot imagine a world in which Phoenix One or Echo Fox take these young guys, develop them, and turn them into a star team no, the way that Samsung just did. No, because the North American thing is we're going to go get two Koreans, we're going to throw hopefully some okay role players around him and hope that two Koreans can carry us to Worlds, and that's just not going to happen. I, uh, that's literally what the model is in North America right now. I know, and it's a terrible model that doesn't work. If it worked, we'd have North American teams. We wouldn't be celebrating the fact that we got one team to the quarterfinals with a 3-3 three and three group stage record and a group in which two teams self-imploded to get them there. Uh, kill me now. I mean, that's kill where we are. And, and all of this, by the way, is not to dismiss anything that Samsung Galaxy accomplished because Samsung Galaxy had a great Samsung played flawlessly. They, they were amazing they looked so good they looked so much better even than i was expecting them to so, so, so here's a here's here's the flaw to me okay ruler is still an issue ruler is a decent cleanup guy mm-hmm. i just look at who they're, they're and, and we'll get more into this later but they weren't stomping sneaky and smoothie because of ruler they were stopping Smoothie and Sneaky because Core JJ and Ambition were playing extremely well, controlling that lane and ganking that lane and getting Ruler ahead. It wasn't anything Ruler himself was doing no. to like crush that lane. Ruler is not some god tier mechanical AD carry, but you don't need to when you have a support who is that kind of player and who plays the lane well. And the important thing is Ruler doesn't make mistakes. He's the, you know, c- compare him, uh, you know, for people who don't watch the East very much, compare him to like Hyarnin back in his H2K days. A guy that just knew how to not make mistakes, knew how to play well in team fights, got a whole bunch of kills, was ready to take those big fights that mattered. He wasn't the shiniest player on the team, but if he's your third or fourth guy, 
You're golden. And on this stage, <laughs> he's your fourth guy. You cure <laughs> ambition and crown. Stop Sneak. it. Stop it. Sorry, let me... <clears throat> I gotta I gotta sneeze. Uh, sneaky. Sneaky looked terrible this series. Yeah, but that's what he was in season three, four, and five. Sure. Against just, North American talent. Scary. Against North American talent, sure. But that's the problem is we're at this level in international play where we have to demand more of these guys. And there was a great quote. I, I forget who said it, um, but there was an idea that the West doesn't make their players, you know, work as hard as the Koreans do. No, it, was it was Clement. Undisciplined. It was Clement. Yeah, Clement Chip. And I got to tell you, he's 100% correct. Like, that's that's what a huge part of this problem is, is that right now, if you're in North America, if you're double lift, you know, and I'm not saying double lift is that guy, but if you're a player like double lift, you're a player like Froggen, you're a player, you know, you're one of these guys held in high esteem. Are they going to fire you? Like, what would you have to do to get fired if you're double lift? In all reality, mid-season. Once the split's already started. What would you have to do? They, I, you have all of the power. But by the time you'd try to bring in a sub and work them into the system, and you'd have to find a guy who would be in the challenger level who isn't anywhere near ready, you've submarined a whole season. But see, it's, So that it's, personality can do whatever they want. That, But that's not necessarily a fault of... That's a fault of there's no talent. Well, that's just what it comes down to. There's no talent. Who are you going to bring in as a sub to replace Double Lift? Like, that's why teams are trapped is because there is no talent. Who, who right now, if you said TSM needed to – it needed to – let's say we're in week six of the regular season mm-hmm. and Double Lift goes on some racist, horrible rant on Twitter and you're like, we need to suspend him for the rest of the season – Maybe he comes back for playoffs. We'll see. Maybe he takes some like anger management courses. I, I don't know. Whatever. Who do you replace him with that's not already on like a, a North American LCS team? Well, I, and I understand that concern, but guess what? Koreans have no problem finding solo Q talent and continuing to turn them into stars. They know how to develop it. They know how to prepare them, and they have told every single one of those players, you are replaceable. The Korean exodus happened after season four. That was the big message Korea sent to the world. We're not going to overpay these guys. We're not going to spend a a ton of money to keep any of these guys around. Samsung let all 10 of their players go. Every single one of them went to China for huge amounts of money. And we said, guess what? We're going to come back and we're going to be better than you guys. And in two years, they were. Two years. Two years. I mean, that's insane. It's, it's astronomically insane that so much talent left Korea and was filled up by virtual nobodies at the time. And they're now three of the four semifinal teams. And it's like it never even happened. The, they could do a second and a third and a fourth Korean exodus, and they'd still be fine because they still have people who are willing to follow the rules, work within the system, and if you ever get too big for your own good, you're done. You know what? Like, here's a perfect example that doesn't even involve China. How's Pickaboo doing nowadays? Pickaboo was the best support in Korea and probably in the world for a part of his career. Now he doesn't even play. Now, I don't know all of the details behind that, but I'll put it this way. If he wanted to work within somebody's system and follow the rules and treat himself like any other player, he'd be playing right now. That's just how this would go. It's how Korea's always gone. He's not, and there's a reason for it. And do they miss the fact that they dropped the best support in the world at the time? No, 
Everyone's fine. KT Roaster almost made it to Worlds this year, and they made it to Worlds last year. Didn't bother them in the slightest. This is where we are with Korea. And until we get to a point in North America where we feel confident enough to take in these young guys and develop them and take a short-term loss for a long-term gain, nothing's going to get better. Because that's what really is terrifying these teams. That's what's driving them to these decisions. Who cares if you do badly in the split where you replace double lift? If you believe you can grow that guy and make him talented and a year from now you're even better, Korea will do that every time. North America and Europe are terrified too. And that's why you see this happen time and time again. And until someone's willing to do that, we're going to keep seeing it happen. And it means investing in solo queue talent. It means investing in scouting. It means letting go of players who are talented and understanding in the short term that will hurt you. But there are teams who can do it. TSM, Cloud9, Team Liquid, CLG. These are big enough brands that if they had one bad year, the fans are still going to be there. They're still going to make money. No, no, no. No, 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 no. That is not a risk they are willing to take. I know. And that's why North America will never be as good as They don't have to. They'll never that's, be. That's that, no. And that that's, is such, you just that is such that. a straw man argument about why North America will not be as good as Korea. That How is a, many Korean players that were at the World Championships this that, year were that at our the World players Championships don't realize they are, aren't repl- like we can't replace them? Give me a break. They can't. That's like a terrible, terrible argument. There's no Unless you believe there's something genetic in Korean players... There's a reason Korea can develop talent and North America can't. It's There's not. A reason... It's more efficient coaching. It's more efficient practice. Okay. That's what and why down. can't you force North American players to do it? Right. Because you can't the coaches keep don't keep know playing. how to do it. Because the coaches don't have any power. What can a coach do? You, what are you going to do to punish Doublelift if he doesn't want to go with your rigorous system? Nothing. You do nothing. And they will I, never take the risk. So the apparently, Dardock got suspended for getting in, in arguments with his coach and all that jazz for, for half a ga- for a game, and then they put him back in because they panicked because they lost the first series. That's that's the amount of power that Liquid had. They couldn't deal with it for a whole week. It was a two week suspension, and they brought him in for the second match of the day. They couldn't do it. None of these teams can do it. They don't have the guts. They won't um, do it. I'm- I'm I'm gonna call bull on that. I don't think that's a really good argument in the slightest. Okay, well that's I, fine. I, well, I disagree with like the entire premise of that argument. Well, Korea will keep shipping players outside to the rest of the world, and they'll keep yeah, placing them with the solo Q talent, and they'll keep being fine, and they'll keep run, being better than It'll run than dry. Us. It'll run dry. Yeah, it'll run we, dry. We said that two years ago. Look at all the doomsday articles after season four about how Korea was screwed. The Korean exodus was going to kill the whole scene, and look where we are. They're better than ever. The gap's widened. I, at some point, we need to acknowledge that. I, you know, and, and you, you can say that maybe there are some other factors that I'm leaving out here. It's obviously more complicated than I can put in one sense. But Samsung Galaxy is here and has succeeded because they did something that no North American team or European team would have the guts to do ever. They would never do it. In a, never, ever, 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 ever. They would have capitulated. They would have paid the money. They would have kept the players from leaving for China or whatever other region. They never would have done it. And you know what? Samsung can look right now and look at the players they developed and the risks they take and say, you know what? We had a bad season five. We barely looked like we were going to make it out in season six, in, you know, it's the spring of season six. And now we're a semi-finalist on the world stage and a likely finalist given the bracket lineup that we have. And they they're the ones loss, with the last. And they were one loss away from not making it, and KT being here instead. Sure, but they still oh, would yeah. have been the fourth best team in Korea, and thus the world at this point. That's where we are. Like I, I think that would have been okay. 
But and guess what? They won that game. Let's that's, let's let's move on because I'm just I'm you're to me you're so far off the rails that I'm just I can't even like get I can't even have an argument with you about it at this point. You just you've lost me. Uh, you're so far lost in the woods that I I can't help you at this point. If that if that's the tune that you wanna you wanna sing, God bless. But I'm I I just don't believe there's not, anything in not drinking that Kool Aid. All. I don't think there's anything intrinsic in Korean players that makes them better than North American. Probably it's in their players, and Koreans have never had a problem finding new solo Q talent. That's just never been a problem. And it never will be, at least for the foreseeable future. And there's a reason for that. We're going to move on because we're clearly on two opposite ends of it. Let us know what you think, guys. Clearly. This, this is going to be... Clearly. I wish you could have seen my face that entire time. I had the rock eyebrow for like 10 minutes straight. Just like... Are you kidding me? I, just saying. Jabroni! Worked for Samsung. We're going to move on. SKT versus Royal Never Give Up. Uh, I think Royal Never Give Up gave up at a certain point in the series. And it was right about after game two. Uh, you could just tell there was a certain point where, you know, SKT was just squeezing them out and squeezing them out. And sure, they didn't end the game right away, but it was almost like they were just toying with them. Like, it was just... Like they had Royal on a string and were just letting them believe that they could somehow turn things around before they have, you know, Faker makes his Faker plays and, and everything just goes to hell in a handbasket. And from that point on in the series, it just never looked like Royal had a chance. I mean, how do you evaluate Royal after the series? Obviously playing SKT is a really tough out and we, you know, have to grade on a curve. They got completely played with. SKT just kind of, like you said, they just slowly, slowly coiled around them and strangled the last breath from them. Um, they didn't feel at any moment like they really had control of any of games two, three, or four um, in any any shape or form in terms of ward control, in terms of objective control, in terms of laning, in terms of anything. It just really felt like they were kind of playing on autopilot. Like They didn't expect to win this series, and even though they won game one, it felt felt like the opposite of Elvis Knox Luna's problems where like Elvis Knox Luna stopped being cute and was like, Oh sh you know, we can we can we can win this straight up. Like Royal was like, we can't win this. <laughs> it doesn't matter if we cheese, we won't win this series, we can't do anything, just like let's just get this over and done with. And they won game one and they're like, Well that was a fluke. Let's just let's just get this over and done with. I it really Uzi and Mata were okay. They didn't like I said, my one my one issue with this series was that Uzi and Mata were gonna have to hard carry this. Yeah. And you're playing into Bang and Wolf who won't let you hard carry. Like they no. don't make the mistakes. You can't get that aggressive on them. They will just be like, okay, you do what you want to do. I'm gonna sit under my tower where you can't kill me. It, and that's what they did. It turns that's, out this Bang guy is actually pretty good at League of Legends. I don't know if you knew this, but he might be one of the three best AD carries in the world. I, uh, and, and, you know, it's easy to forget, right? Because Faker is Faker, and Faker attracts all the attention on SKT. But Bang had a, you know, historic season in his own right. Yeah. Um, that, you know, he was arguably, at, at certain points, more key to some of those victories than Faker was. And, and that Bang-Wolf bot lane, you know, Wolf has had some problems in the past, making sure he secures vision safely. We've, you know, it, it's the, it's this, the kind of Achilles heel of his play that we've mentioned before and will continue to mention until it gets fixed. But at least for now, you know, you have to look at, you know, they, they are just a solid top to bottom team. I do, I will say, 
it reminded me of what you talked about when we talked about the TSM Cloud9 North American Finals, where like game one, TSM was just toying with them, like saying, like, what would you do if we gave away all of the good picks? What would that look like? And then saying, okay, and now we'll never let you do that again, and let's just destroy <laughs> you, because now we know what you can do. Because yeah, like, let's see th- priority. Like, I just don't believe that Coma picked two losing sidelines, you know, on accident. He, like, he didn't leave the stage going, three. oh, right. I, well, I'm talking sidelines, but yeah, you're right. He picked, picked three losing lanes. He picked three that's... losing lanes and had Benki in playing Lee Sin. And, and that's one of those things where you're like, I, you know, you can say that maybe Coma just had head trauma in that draft and then never again in the next three games. Or you say that Coma allowed Royal to play the way he wanted. Um, it's one of those things where you really have to, uh, you really have to look into what is going to what what they're capable of and I, I when they draft seriously they dominated when they actually cared about winning these games they put blank in i was worried about this i was wrong to worry about this sorry blank you were right apparently you've developed synergy with faker since this tournament started i don't know when or how but i'm not you look fantastic great you looked fantastic great duke the last game. two games yeah duke looked good like, the Aurelia, oh my lord, the Aurelia was just like, good god, Looper has a family, please stop. <laughs> Loop, stop, Looper was already dead. At that point. It was, oh it's god. one of those things, Kelsey Moser made a point about it on Twitter. It really was so good. He just, he just gave up. He was just Mouse, so done. Mouse was back home in China being like, oh, so this is how you play Aurelia, I got it, okay. Oh, oh, I can come back now. Like, oh, poor Mouse. I feel badly for him. He played so well in, in China, and then crap the bed i uh i mean look at, at the end of the day you had you know duke, when duke steps up and blank steps up and bang is already great and faker is faker this team is terrifying i'm terrified of this skt team if i'm anybody in the semifinals i'm sure rocks is you know rocks has already come out and said we're oh, not rocks. scared we think we're gonna win of course rocks would say that but here's here's the problem though so, what happens when Duke plays poorly, like he did in games one and two? He played poorly. He, uh, game one was awful. That was, that was, that was intentionally feeding on Duke's part. That was mm-hmm. absolutely horrendous garbage play. He has had moments in this tournament where he has just looked horrendous, and other, laners have outcla- other top laners have outclassed him. Like, this isn't a Marin situation where he's just 100% at his best every single game, game in, game out. Faker is playing fantastic. Faker's playing Faker. Even he looks like he's like saving a little for rocks. Um, Bang seems like the only one that's playing 100% game in and game out. Mm-hmm. He seems like the only one that's tryharding every single game, and it, it's showing. He's playing exceptionally well. And while he is not this, you know, incredible, overwhelming laning presence like uh, like Deft or like Forgiven, he is. He's playing sneaky-esque. He's playing, I'm playing not to lose the lane by letting you kill me multiple times. But man, oh man, when we get to team fighting, I am going to rip you a new one. Yeah. And that's where he, he deviates from sneaky a little bit. He's actually like good at positioning and good at leaving <laughs> He actually legend. knows what he's doing. I mean, he knows what he's doing. I mean, yeah, to be fair, so. like in two of those games, Bang was playing Jin into Ezreal, which is just such a nice matchup for the Jin in the early game. The, the one that really sunk in just how good Bang is and it's going to make Uzi, you know, stay up at night with some nightmares was game three 
in which Bang went 6-2-7 and seven in a 30-minute game as Ezreal against that Jin. That should never happen. He played both sides of the matchup. Like, he crushed both sides of the matchup. Yeah, and, and you know, people will point to game one and say, like, well, no, game one, he still went 5-1-1. One, and one. He was still the best player in there. He plays such an amazing Ezreal, and he plays such a good Jin. And when you can play everything in the meta, I mean, this is the problem that Rox is going to have. What do you ban? Like, where do your bans go Duke. against Duke. against SKT? Duke. Duke, yeah. Duke, 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 Duke. You you go after Duke. We'll get to, we'll get to that series later, but it'll be Duke. I mean, and and you could argue that with the exception of uh, the occasional J span, they really didn't go after Duke in this series. That surprised me from Royal. I, I thought that that was going to be something that they would look into doing, but I, I guess they just felt like they had to ban some of the more stereotypical. You know, you can't let uh, you can't let Faker have Rise. They weren't willing to first pick the Syndra, so they weren't willing to let that through, even on blue side. I, I think banning uh, Blank's Olaf in Game 4 might have been, uh, been a little bit of an over-exaggeration. Uh, I, I his, his Olaf is really, really good, dude. It's really, it's good. really good. But guess what? This is something, and people have pointed this out before, you cannot ban out... A, an entire player, player if they have too much of a champion pool. Yeah, you're just not going to be able to ban him out. Nope, nope. That blank. one ban meant nothing to stop blank. It, it had no effect on whether you're going to be able to, ha- to do better in game four. Guess what? His Elise was just fine. He played, you know, his, uh, his Zach was fine the game before that. You will never have enough bans. The only, and like you said, maybe it's Duke. Maybe that's the answer. Uh, and we'll look at that when we talk. That, don't about worry, it. that is the answer. That, <laughs> I mean, that's what the answer will be for Rox, is, is punish Duke. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else to say about this series? I, I mean, I feel, I feel badly for Royal. I mean, obviously, they meant to play well. Um, it, it was not the cleanest series for SKT. It was, it was a methodical SKT game. It's a stereotypical SKT series, mm-hmm. but it was not. It wasn't pristine. That's I'll true. put it that. Yeah. It was not. It was not a perfectly ironed dress shirt that you know Monty spends two hours on right before he goes to cast, and then he gets in there and they say, "Oh yeah, we want you to wear this silly Shen costume instead." He's like, "But like, I got my suit. Like, I had it tailored this morning. Yeah, this I had SKT the size scarf. In. You know, yeah. Like, I had the size took in. Like, it's slimming. It's form fitting right now. Like." I got the hat. I got the the train hat. Like, no, you want to make me okay? Two shens, whatever. Funny, ha ha ha. Yeah, it, it was it was not pristine. It, that's that's the moral of that story. It I was mean, a little soot covered. I think that in game two, I would agree with you. I think they could have ended that game more quickly. I think in, I think in general, game, in general, I think games three and four were about as perfect as you get. Those were thirty minute stomps against an, a genuinely good royal team, and and that's that's what I will I do want to close out with for a bit because there are going to be people who say like. Oh, MLXD is the one that I heard most often. Like people gave him so much crap. And the look, Chinese junglers at Worlds. He, it didn't go well. It went worse for the next person we're going to talk about. I'll put it that way. But I mean, this is this is a good team. Like for everything we said about Zhao Hu, it you know. Faker was better than him, but did Zhao Hu look like he didn't belong on the rift? Were they blown out the same way the Cloud Nine was? Never. It wasn't. Even, it was never close to that. They they knew what to do. They made some rotational decisions. The thing that put SKT so far ahead was that their objective play was immaculate. They got almost oh, yeah. every dragon. I I'm ninety nine percent confident they got every Baron. Yep. They were just completely immaculate on that end, 
And when you give the enemy no, none of those objectives in order to you know, give themselves a, a chance, those little edges that might help them make up for a little laning deficiency here and there, that's why I would say it was more pristine than I, th I think you feel, because I did feel like they understood that they didn't need to just style on teams. They don't style on teams anymore. That was season three, oh, Faker. Season three, SKT. Like, they, that, they, they're just methodical. They, they that, close the game out, me. and however many minutes it takes, that's what they're going to do. But I look at it, and I have to look at it in a super critical lens here, because they're not going to get to play against Albus Knox Luna. They're, yeah, they're not going to They're playing play the against, Rocks Tigers. You they're playing to... against the 1B team in the world. Because that's how I'm looking at this. It's Rocks and SKT are 1A, 1B. Mm -hmm. They're all, they're like I have to give SKT the advantage because they've won literally every series against Rocks since I don't know the beginning of the Rocks organization. Like, hey, Rocks won the first best got, of three in uh, in the summer. I don't care. They've got their number. They, when it matters, SKT has Rocks's number. Yeah. straight up has their number. I have to give them that little advantage. But Absolutely. every mistake, and I'm gonna say the same thing about Rocks as as we transition. Let's just transition into this Rock series. Yeah, let's Rocks, talk about it. it's the same thing. It was a stereotypical Rock series, but it was not pristine. It was not perfect. There were definitely some issues. Minor little things that if they were going against anyone else in the world, I'd be like, hey, I'm not worried. But against a team as good as SKT and against a team as good as Rocks, every single one of those tiny little mistakes is just that thread that they can pull and all of a sudden your entire shirt is gone. That That's what it is. You make those tiny little mistakes and Rocks will just start pulling at the string. And all of a sudden that shirt's it's done. It's ruined. You can't wear it anymore. you got a hole in it. you got a barren-sized hole sitting in there. It's like That's that's fair. And, and I will say, you know, certainly Rocks, their loss looked worse than SKT's loss, in my opinion. Yes. I, and, yes. and, and, and to be fair, right, like, I, I made this point when we were in pre-call. Uh, Smeb played Fiora. Fiora's clearly not a meta champion. That was Smeb saying, I can beat you so badly, Koro, you don't even know. And given that Koro took Fervor as his uh, keystone right, but he, on here's Rumble. The, I don't think it was necessarily like, oh, like, Smeb picked a terrible, terrible champion. It was that EDG was like, oh, you picked Fiora. We're going to punish the hell out of that. And they did. And they constantly went up to that lane, despite the fact that the Rumble chose the wrong masteries. Like, that, was, that wasn't necessarily Smeb losing because he picked, he picked Fiora. It was he picked Fiora, and EDG knew how to beat Fiora. Well, yeah, he Granted, if that game had gone another 20 minutes, the Fiora split push would have just ended the game, which well, is what they tried to do. And, and, you know, but you pick that composition knowing that those flaws are very inherent in a playstyle and that she's not nearly dom as dominant as she was. You pick that because you believe you are going to be able to style on your opponent. And mm -hmm. Koro had played poorly enough at that point in the series where they felt like, who cares what I play? I'm going to be able to win that lane and I'll get enough solo kills that I can snowball on Fiora. And Fiora is the most snowbally champion you could probably pick other exactly. than exactly like maybe like a darius like i don't even know like how more snowbally would you have to go in the top lane no because like darius you can sort of stop and split push fiora you can't yeah i mean fiora would just split push you to death completely yeah so i mean it was it was a fine idea when you're up to nothing and there's nothing else for you to really worry about but i mean there were other problems there it felt like they didn't know how to react to the aurelian soul uh, that's something where nope. <laughs> if we're going to be super critical, like, you know, SKD didn't pick it. I'm not sure Faker plays it. If he does, he's been hiding it this entire time. But 
I guarantee you he's been hiding it this entire time. It seems like a favorite and, thing and, to do. And he's been hiding an Aurelian Soul counterpick. I guarantee it. He has both hiding. Well, he's played against Aurelian Soul before. He picked Rise. Right, but there's, like, no, there's no way that that's... He has a hidden counterpick where it's going to be like, yo, Curl, play that Aurelian Soul. I dare you. And Curl's going to be sitting there like, you played Olaf mid lane. What do you have? Like, there's no way you leave up Aurelian Soul and just, like, stare at me like... That's a secret. It is Olaf Midland. That is the actual... I I mean, I don't know what the pick would be, but I guarantee you Faker has Aurelian Soul ready to play if he feels the need to, and he has a counter pick to it ready that he has not unveiled. This is Faker we're talking about. He plays literally 135 champions. Faker is Faker. And And five from Dota. (laughs) He actually is able to import the champions from Dota into League of Legends because exactly. he's got the faker cheat codes that just allow him to do that. I mean, look, it it is one of those things where, you know, we can nitpick that loss to death. I, I think that, you know, being able to have, to, to let EDG focus so much on your top lane allowed them to more easily roam and get those obje- neutral objectives. And that's something that I think SKT was a little better at, you know, never giving their opponent a break. EDG, mm-hmm. even in their losses, managed to get a Drake here and there. Granted, they were usually Cloud Drakes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, how much did it really hurt? Man, Probably not that was that just... The, the dragons that appeared in, like, series to series to series to series was just like... Wow! Man, I'm so glad that <laughs> Riot loves Some of these teams had terrible, terrible luck. Let's be honest. Are you it. saying that the triple mountain Drake that Rox Tigers got in Game 1 compared to the wooden cloud drake that EDG managed to grab was maybe not as equivalent as in game two when the Rocks Tigers got two ocean drakes. Like, like let's be clear. The Ro- like, And this is the thing about Rocks, and this is why I like them so much um, right now, is that when they win, they destroy people. I mean, that 26-minute victory in game two was one of the most complete matches I have ever seen. I mean, that's why they were able to fool Samsung. Yeah, well, and I'm terrified of Samsung now. I think Samsung overplayed my expectations significantly, both from before this tournament and even heading into the quarterfinals. I thought they were good. I thought they were very good. I think right now that they could give SKT or Rocks Tigers a run for their money. I, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm saying they can keep it close. Rocky eyebrow. Literally, you just keep, like, I just keep going right to rock eyebrow. What, I'm, what makes you think right now well, that Samsung we'll, we'll could get to, compete? We'll get to them. We'll get to them in a bit. Let's, yeah. I want to finish talking about this series. Yeah, finish, that's, that's, because then we get to talk about my favorite series and my, God. yeah. And then we, that, that cannot be anyone. I, I, anyway. So, so, <laughs> this is, I mean, look, I, Smeb is really good at League of Legends. Uh, Peanut is really good at League of Legends. Uh, Kuro can play Aurelian Soul, and even when he doesn't, he can play things that make him really good at League of Legends. I, it says so much about you know how dominant Rocks Tigers were that EDG felt the need to pick Jace for the mid lane because they could not bear the idea of Smeb being able to yeah. play. That's how terrified they were of Smeb. And then Smeb said, hey, remember when I won that game single-handedly on Kennen? Because I just hit perfect ults every time, I'll just do that. Like, if that's your plan, I have no problem with this. Oh wait, I get to play Kennen into Rumble? Yeah. That, okay. <laughs> it was so. It was just such a dominant performance from him, and I understand. You know, Koro was thrown in at the last second. I don't. You know, it's hard to blame Koro for for any of this. Um, 
he was put in a, in an incredibly unenviable situation. But you know, for a a bot lane that we usually describe as more passive, right? We used to call Prey the ultimate utility AD carry. He made Deft and Mako look stupid in a lot of these games. No, no, you are definitely misremembering. I pray levels is... levels like one to five were all about Deft and Mako. Sure, levels and guess like what they got out of it? Straight up, almost nothing. They weren't oh. translating into kills. It wasn't translating into towers. So what? Once it turned into level six and beyond, praise Caitlyn was. Beautiful. Yeah, once you started actually getting ganks and started getting into you know three v threes and whatnot, because I'm just not convinced that Clearlove knows what he's actually doing in the jungle anymore. Oh man, I'm he, just. He gets the Dante award. Kelsey Kelsey made an excellent point. Mm -hmm. He is being too creative for his own good. Yes, I I think she she nailed, she missed a couple points in in her wonderful Clearlove overrated article. Mm -hmm. That was the one point that she absolutely nailed, was that this just reeks of creativity for creativity's sake. He needs to really go back to basics. He needs to really relearn how to jungle baseline, and then you can start getting cute again. Then you can start, you know, wanting to play carry junglers like Hecarim and and all that jazz. I I didn't like the Hecarim pick. You thought no. it was better. You thought no, he I didn't think I didn't like the Hecarim pick. I said in the preview set when we previewed all these teams. I previewed EDG. I said and I quote, "Please EDG, stop picking Hecarim. It doesn't work for you." I said explicitly those words. I hate the Hecarim pick. And this is where I have this problem: is that I don't know how much of this lies on clear love and how much of this relies upon the coach and the system that's been created because Clearlove yeah. is clearly playing a very particular style. Like the, He's not ganking top lane. It's not like he's never ganked top lane his entire career. The guy's been <laughs> playing for years now. He's got more trophies than most players will, at least on in, 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 within his own nation. And he has MSI 2015. The no, guy, he probably has the most trophies out of anyone not named Fate. Yeah, no, I'll, be, I'll, outside I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah. He probably, yeah. And, and, and the guy has proven, like, he knows how, he, he can gank top lane, believe it or not. He didn't, and that was clearly a plan that they created, and I, I, I think it was a bad plan. I think that there's a difference between play to your strengths and completely isolate your weakness such that the enemy can prey upon it and just get a whole bunch of kills and just destroy you, which is what happened to poor Koro over and over again. It, 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 I just If you're Koro, how bad do you feel that you let a Maokai go 2-1-11 on you in 26 minutes? Like That's got to be the most devastating... Like, how does that happen? I don't think you feel bad because you go, where did the pick come from? Why is he playing Maokai? And it was a genius pick. It that was, was absolutely genius from Nofei to be like, hey, we can play Maokai here. And and that's the difference. Nofei coached a, an almost perfect series. If you yeah, ignore, Aaron was horrible. If you assume, horrible. yeah, Aaron was terrible. The pick and ban made no sense in any of their, uh, in any of their losses. And even in their victory... There are questionable things that just so happened to work out because Rocks Tigers were goofing around. And that's that victory for EDG was the equivalent of when TSM beat Samsung White. They were just goofing around. They picked a weird composition. And congratulations for being able to take advantage of that. But then Rocks Tigers put their big boy pants on again and they smashed him game four. And, you know, this is one of the things, right? If you can't pick on Prey because Prey is going to be able to lane very safely and then team fight well. And Gorilla's going to continue to be a mastermind. And Gorilla played great this series. In lane, out of lane, whatever. Gorilla played great this series. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Kuro knows how to roam very well. Um, and it's really working well for 
keeping their rotations game. I feel going. like you need to ban Aurelian Soul. I, you, oh, you have to against against Kuro. I, th- I think that's absolutely what you do, um, unless Faker has a plan for it. Um, but but regardless, and, and as you said, Faker might. It's Faker. Who knows? But I, I think you absolutely do have to at least strongly consider banning it. And Peanut looks like the best jungler in the world right now. And and this is with yep. a player yeah. that was the number one on the LOL Esports Top 20 in SMEB. Like, this team is just looking like the best they've ever looked. And can, can I just say, I just I just really want to say this. People are going to take this the wrong way. Oh, I look forward um, to taking it the go, wrong way. Go ahead. SMEB and Gorilla. Yes. I haven't seen God-tier performances from them. <gasps> can we just be can we just Come be on. honest about this? Come on. Can we just be honest about this? You said I, literally I haven't tournament. noticed I haven't I haven't heard like Gorilla's name or noticed Gorilla's name throughout the course throughout the course of the tournament, and that's actually probably for the best as a support. You should probably never hear their name. They should just be making plays and being silent and letting their carries do their thing, unless you're Likrip, which is embracing the support carry role. Like, this isn't a knock against Gorilla at all. I still think he's the best support in the world, and it's just I haven't noticed him because he either hasn't done anything so bad that I'm like, oh my god, that was awful, and he hasn't done so, you know, un you know, breathtakingly amazing. Where I'm like, geez, Smab. Yeah, he had those couple really, really good cannon alts. He single-handedly won a game for them. No big deal. Single, yeah, but like, just I didn't watch a ton, a ton of Korea over the entire course of the season, mm-hmm. so I didn't see a lot of the like faker low points and these super high points on Smab. So I'm sitting here going, why are we saying Smab is better than Faker? Which is something you said on this podcast, by the way, when we previewed. I said maybe today he is. Yeah. I said, if you ask me today, this moment, yes, because I'm going off of what everyone has said about how well he's played. But from what I have physically watched at this tournament, I I don't see it. I see Faker being Faker and controlling and just stomping his lane. And I've seen Smeb lose a couple lanes here. At this tournament, I think it is undoubtedly true that Faker is, is okay. remaining the best player. That is and fair. And I think Smeb is number two. I, I still agree with that. I'm not saying he's not number two. I'm just saying I haven't seen this, like... Faker got his world buff. God. I haven't seen a second god. Let me put it down. Mm, I, I haven't seen a second god. I've, I, seen a, I've seen a Jesus, but I haven't seen a second god. I think that we really won't be able to say until we see better series that we saw in the quarterfinals. Like, every single one of these quarterfinals was a blowout. Yeah. It's, you know, sure, Smeb beat up on Koro. Of course he did. Koro hasn't played in months. Like, that, that you would kind of expect that. Right, if he didn't he style like, on Koro, then we would be incredibly worried. He, he had, like, one game where he styled on Koro, though. He had one where he really styled on Koro. I'm taking away the Fiora. The other two were just like, yeah, a better player beating a worse player. Ah, it wasn't The, the style. CS lead was pretty insane. It, it wasn't in kills, but he so zoned out that lane. Koro never had a chance. It wasn't that wasn't those were not close lanes. That those were not. I mean, it, and it was to the level of they really had to try to get Koro uh, as many resources as he could on other sides of the map because as soon as he had to face Smeb, Smeb just pushed his face into the tower over and over and over again, and he never felt safe. And he shouldn't have because Peanut was there to lease and kick him into death. Because that's what happened to Koro so many times this game, I, you know. And and you're not going to look dominant on a Maokai in lane. He looked dominant in the fact that he absorbed so much damage in the team fights. It was like people had forgotten how Maokai works, 
and that is you know it's like my 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 bullets Maokai. they do nothing like it was just it was so brilliant oh Maokai I oh, love Maokai God. I'm so glad can I just take 10 seconds to be like I'm so glad he's the victorious skin yeah sure Go for it. How, have you seen the Victoria skin? Is it looking? Ten like- seconds. I'm so glad he's the victorious skin. I love Maokai. I miss season three jungling. There, I'm done. Here, here's the problem. The Meowkai skin exists, so there's no need for any other Maokai. It has a fan. This little sapling. It has a. It'll hold a fan for him with his back animation. Like a fan. It's adorable. Uh, it it's is way better than Meowkai. It's way better than Meowkai. I best victorious skin so far. I. I mean, I'd have to look back over this. You know who else is victorious? You know who else was victorious? We're, we're doing, is, this, is this the segue we're going with? Sure, let's do it. Who else is victorious, Walter? Oda Wabne. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like to call it. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, of, of See, the I got players, you there. You did. I got you of, of the two players yeah. I saw in this series, uh, Gadu Wabne is the one that really oh, took me totally by surprise. Good. I mean, Holy crap, he looked He did. And and granted, he only had to play one champion. And that one champion was Chase. And that Chase was really, 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 really good. And, it's, I, you know, I, look, I, I'm going to read from Liquid's <laughs> Twit longer. He starts with the phrase, to all haters. And I just want to point out, Liquid, that you did such a good job of becoming Russian Jesus the last couple weeks. <laughs> there were more Albus Knox flares on the subreddit than there will be of any Russian team probably ever again, unless something miraculous happens. <coughs> Diamond Prox came back to Gambit. Yeah, Today. I said <coughs> probably. I said probably. And good luck with that, by the way, Diamond Prox. Um, I, don't, I don't like the rest of that roster very much. But regardless, you know, you had been known for being this toxic player that everyone in EU hated playing with, and all you had to say was nothing. Just keep being the nice guy who does the great, you know, motivational speeches and, and was so nice to G2 when they fell out. And instead he has to make some shot. He makes a shot at Taiwan for some reason. Like, what did Taiwan do to you, buddy? Like, you didn't even play a Taiwanese team in your group. Like, what's... what? There is no need for it. There is just absolutely no need... Um, he, he says that a lot of things went wrong. He gives a Jason Statham quote. Um, which I thought was fascinating. I, I don't I do. remember the last time anyone tr- uh, quoted Jason Statham about anything. I'm going to link this in the chat, by the way, for people who are watching the live stream because they might want to read along. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, but but here's here's I'm gonna this is going to be coach's corner with Chase Wassenaar because I was a coach and I get to claim this. Um, bands. Uh, th- th- this is him trying to defend the pick and ban phase for Albus Knox. Uh, Nidalee on red side is a must ban. No, it's not. Absolutely not. Uh, nothing is a must-ban. It, it is always situational based on the person you're playing. And in this particular situation, you letting Yankos get Nidalee does not make a big difference. His champion pool is too deep. It is absolutely not a must-ban. Stop it. That is that is an excuse. That is a, we decided that we were going to ban Nidalee on red side no matter what, every game. And granted, it is a popular red side ban, but there have been plenty of Nidalees that have gone through and been beaten at this tournament and in many, 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 many other situations. She does have a predictable pattern. It's not a must ban. Stop it. You're better than that. Uh, Rise. A lot of H2K strategies were built on this champion. Sure, Ryu plays a great Rise. I I understand that ban. Um, Olaf. Again, yeah, Yankos played well on it. You know what Yankos has played well on? Basically every champion in this meta. 
It's not worth it. There are so many things. Again, good players, you cannot target ban that way. It doesn't work. Uh, Sivir is ultra broken. No, she's not. That is one of the silliest things that I've heard uh, come from a professional player at this tournament. If you look at the top picked 80 carries, Sivir is, I think, fourth right now. I, you would take Jin, Caitlyn, and Ezreal before you would take Sivir. Uh, all of whom have had pretty good, decent matchups against Sivir based on where she is at this point in the meta. She's not at all broken, and it's forgiven. Forgiven hates playing Sivir. He has gone on record so many times saying Sivir is not what he wants to play. Why in the world would you do that? And then, Kennen, we didn't want to see Odoamne on him. You're right, because you would have much rather kept seeing the Jace that was destroying you. Um, Caitlyn was a must. I, I Okay, okay. So, so can we stop at the band so I can, like, I want to kind of discuss these point by point and instead of having like a huge huge wall of like oh sure, sure, yeah. chase, you, chase you, goes over every single thing and you so i didn't realize the you were part of coach's corner but that's fine come on <laughs> well i, I <laughs> just because your nidalee point is 100 percent wrong because every single team in quarterfinals banned nidalee on red side except one game and that was skt first banning her on blue side just want to point that out. Yeah. You saying that is is wrong in terms of the context of the tournament because literally every single team in quarterfinals did that. It is a very good champion in the quarterfinals. It was banned quite a bit, but in the group stage we saw it get beat. It's not it's not I'm, impervious. It is a It's not impervious, band. but I'm just saying every single game she was banned on red side sure. except one where SKT did it. Sure. That's that's all I want to say. But um, that doesn't I, excuse any of the other bands that I brought up, especially totally, the Sivir one. I hate the argument. Totally agree with everything else except the Kennen. I think Kennen is scarier to them as opposed to Jace because of the ultimate. That's the only only reason that I can defend that at all is just the, the AoE stun that they were scared to deal with. And, and here's the problem Other with that, Other than that, I'll concede everything else. Here's the problem with that. And this is a quote. Nar was a must, the only champion in our pool who could lane against Jace. How is that true? How is that a... F There's no way that that in is his the pool. only thing. Yeah, in his pool. Well, that's, a, pool. that's a huge problem. That is well, a massive I... problem for how this team was built. And you cannot go into it, you know, you can't go in and not have an answer or a backup plan for this Jace pick. And at the very least, once you realize that your plan doesn't work, you have to adapt. And that's the thing. Yes. I, I can, you know, I can go go on for, you know, Cinder did, you know, Cinder's a really strong pick. They kept letting that through. They kept picking Vlad into it, which he admits was dumb. Uh, picking uh, Zyra, he believes that, um, that it wouldn't have affected their losses. I think that Vander uh, Zyro is one of the few champions on which he's looked good this entire time. He did look very good. Yep. I, and and more importantly, Liquid's Bard was bad. Liquid's Bard looked bad this series. It was his weakest champion in the group stage, in my opinion. And I, you know, they, they talk about you know picking Tarek, uh, Tom Kench. We would have been eaten alive. Guess what? You were eaten alive. What do you? That it's, it's not. That logic doesn't hold up. Um, I mean, it 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 does though. So at least Bard is a semi is a range champion, so they can also counter her as Desira. It has some sustain. If they could um, play it well, it would be a different story. But like, but he played it well in the IWC qualifiers. Like this was just a he just played poorly. He played, in this series, and he played it poorly Bard. in the group stage as well. There, there, he has not won a game on on. Bard in this series, and in my opinion, it's been his weakest performances. And maybe, that's fine. And maybe they disagree with that, but 
but here's what it really comes down to at the end of the day. You, you can go through, you know, Zillion, he says, that was our serious mistake in the draft. Yeah, the Zillion pick was not particularly good. But there are so many things when you look at this. If this was a Korean team, if this was even just a Western team, you have to be able to adjust game by game, series by series. This is something that I used to criticize TSM for all the time in international play because TSM would go into tournaments and they'd have the three things that they wanted to ban on each side and that would be their bans against every opponent and it didn't matter what they did or what had happened in the games and it cost them so many times when I thought TSM could have performed better in series and that's what they did here and you know I, I understand things like the Nidalee ban sure you could say that you know may, maybe you can disagree with me you say Nidalee is a must ban that's fine I'll let you have that um if you want to say that, you know, you, you had to ban, um, you know, the rise, you know, I, I get a couple of these. But when Jace is destroying you, and he destroyed you in every single yes. one of those games, yep. it was so overwhelmingly dominant, and you have no answer. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over <laughs> again and expecting a different result. Picking Gnar every time into the Jace, at the very least, try something else, anything else. Play Maokai, yeah. play Zack, play <laughs> anything, anything else would have been better than saying, well, it didn't work the first two times, but maybe Oduwamne will forget how Gnar works this time around. No, 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 bad, dumb. And you know what? I will say this about Albus Knox. I picked them to win this series because H2K has mid-game issues. And for the Silly. record, I did not leave this series thinking that H2K had any fewer mid-game issues. Games 1 and 3 were really rough on the closing. Those games should have been closed 10 minutes earlier, like they did in Game 2, in every single one of those instances. And they just let them linger. They let a, a Baron get stolen in Game 1 that never should have happened. Cinder should never be able to steal a Baron like that. Uh, and, and in game three, it just dragged on and on, and they picked these weird fights that they didn't need to pick. Stereotypical H two K series. Yeah, it no. just all, all four of these series, the winning team, it was stereotypical yeah. of their of their success. There was nothing new, nothing surprised me in these series, and that's why it's so hard to talk about. It's why I, I went on the rant. The Zyra surprised me from Vander. Sure, the, Z the Zyra actually surprised me from Vander. I he picked a champion up. It was really that, good. Yeah, that was... I, I mean, everyone was talking it up. Like, oh, Zyra's going to be very big, you know, going forward. Very strong champion. Vander's not the kind of guy to me, though, that that feels like a Zyra player. So that was really good to see from H2K sort of adapting. It was really, really awesome to see that they totally went all in on Oduwamne Carey. He's been the He's been the player on the team that I've been the most like, all right, dude, like, come on step up, like, you're gonna have to step up here, and this series was totally... That, that that Sunday was all about two guys, LaShawn, Shady McCoy, and, uh, and Odawamne, guys that I'm very critical of, just, like, shoving in my face, so now anytime I'm gonna be critical of them, my, everyone will be like, yeah, but what about this? Uh, okay, fine, you're right. Um, Ga so, yeah, Gawamne, no, as they're saying in Korea, uh, thanks, <laughs> that's, that's what, uh... Gawamne. That's what yeah. uh, that's what No Face said, and I, you know, that's but, that's what he looked like in this series. But this 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 series is the absolute antithesis mm -hmm. of the growth of Forgiven, because this series was not about Forgiven in the slightest. No, there was not a single moment in this series where it was like that was a Forgiven play. Even in laning phase, he was giving up CS. I've never seen him not get all six CS in the first wave just to harass 
uh, to harass a miracle and to zone him off of two or three CS. I've never seen him actually give CS up in this way. I mean, he was completely selfless this series. I, I think his landing was, was very strong, and in, in in that exact sense. Oh, it was he, it was still strong. I don't get me no, wrong. No, but I, I mean in, this, in the sense that you're saying. It. it was it was a great mix. Like he would get like Mike the perfect example, and and yes. Uh, Miracle screwed up by going for traps at level one in game three, <laughs> which was one of the silliest things I've ever seen in my life. I have oh no God, idea what the plan was there. Why? But at the same time, that was a perfect example of they saw that the enemy bot lane was going for Krugs. He absorbs aggro for a little bit, which means he's not going to be able to trade as well in lane, but he gets all six CS and he costs the enemy team at least three. And any advantage they got from Krugs was nullified as the yep. minions came into their tower and the Kalen had no chance to push in on him. And that was just being smart. It was yep. just really intelligent play. And, you know, I, I will say this. I'm a little worried that the champions that Forgiven threw out there were uh, Lucian. You know, I, I would have rather seen a Jin in, in all reality. Though Jin was banned by h2k i'm out at least i'm out three he's practicing Jin. sure he's literally like his his solo queue account is like 90 percent Jin games well right good now. and it and it better be ready by the time he plays ruler because ruler is one i don't of think the two he needs... best he's one of the two best gins in the world ruler right well, now. he doesn't need i i don't think he needs needs the gin like he well i don't think he needs it he has caitlin which does very well into Jin. i don't he has think ezreal which after you get to level six does very well into Jin. well that's the thing he's got to play the ezreal which he also did not pull out in this series and was uh, lucian's good. fine into Jin. like i don't think like yeah ruler can be an amazing Jin, but i don't think that it's imperative that forgiven plays Jin. I, I think he has i, other I don't put lucian on the level of the other 480 carries we just named i don't i don't think that's... lucian is a is a great pick lucian the fact lucian's different in forgiven's hands just yeah. like it's different in double lifts hands. I, like I'm not, I'm not denying that. Just because it's not as strong, it's still a champion that both of those two players are exceptionally good at, and they can make work. That's he was still playing Caitlyn when people are like, "Oh, Caitlyn's a terrible champion." Forgiven's like, "Yeah, but I'm greedy and I love laning, so I'm gonna play Caitlyn." He still has Tristana, which can be pulled out at any moment. Yeah, like let, let that's me, that's like the hidden pick is like. If they really wanted to, they could go to his Tristana and they would be fine. I, I feel bad about oh. complaining about pocket picks. That's not really something <laughs> I want to do. Like I, I under, and, and you're absolutely right. He plays Solution very well. He played it very well. And as Cargillicus pointed out in the chat, I'm just glad Jin isn't Callisto because he flat out <laughs> refused to play that, whereas he's practicing Jin. And you're 100% right. He understands how important Jin is going to be for that Ruler series. Uh, or Samsung series against Ruler. Ruler series. It, it, look, man, it, the bot lane is going to be the way that H2K has to go at this. Um, I, I don't we'll, we'll, we'll get into I it more in the, so. in the second half of our podcast. Um, it, I, I think that wraps up. Is there anything more we want to add as we go through uh, before we, you know, to put a, an end to these quarterfinals and, um, and start looking ahead towards the semifinals that are going to be in Madison Square Garden, where we'll be. Do, we, do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, I two of these series took two and a half hours. The other two took about three and a half. They were very, very quick series. It was so nice for the VOD watching because I, I had to take care of my mom. It was nice that. watching it live because like, it was like 9.30. I'm like, oh, I'm done watching League of Legends for the night. Like, huh, yeah. I don't have to record a podcast after this. I don't have to watch another series. Um, kind of just sat here and was just like... Yeah. I, the John Travolta gift. Like, I don't... I don't 
what do I do now? This is my life. I watch League of Legends professionally. That's all I, I do. Like I I I don't know. They they were just they were crushing series. They're exactly what we expected. I was uh, basically my response to this entire week was like Sonic at the end of every single one of the dorkly videos he's in, where he just goes, huh? <laughs> that that's just what it was. Like every single one of these series, none of them surprised me. None of them brought new information. I don't feel like there's anything that happened in the semifinal, in the quarterfinals, I should say, that makes me feel differently about the semifinals, with the exception of Samsung Galaxy. I will say Samsung Galaxy looked so decisive in the victories, because it's one thing to beat a team that you're better than, but it's another to beat it in the way that Samsung did, and Samsung crushed them in a way I that have... I have not seen Samsung play against anybody, even low-tier Korean teams. Like that I mean, you were, also, you were also wrong about the H2K Elvis Knox series. Just want to... Just push that back. In I, front went, of you. I went three and one in my in predicting exact scores throughout the weekend. I and look, here's here's where I made my mistake on Albus Knox, and I, I will say this wholeheartedly. <laughs> H2K's mid game was as bad as I thought it was going to be. The problem is that Albus Knox was already down eight thousand to ten thousand gold by the time we got there, which is not what I expected. I expected a better laning play from Likrit uh, to keep the the eight he carries uh, to keep the bot lane manageable. And I expected Smurf to put up a fight against Odawamne. When you're down eight to 10,000 gold, it doesn't matter if the other team doesn't necessarily know how to most efficiently close out a game. The game's long over by then. And that was me. that's on me for forgetting how this infrastructure stuff works. They've never been in this kind of spot. They've never played in an international tournament this big before. And it showed. So... That's, I, I think that's it for the quarterfinals. Um, for those of you who are listening on podcasts or watching the video later, uh, there's going to be a part two where we talk about the semifinals. We're actually going to guess the lines in these semifinals. That's right. We're putting both of our podcasts into one because the Guess the Lines podcast, if we didn't, would be like 10 minutes long. There are only two matches. So we're going to throw all of that together uh, after this quick break over on Twitch. Uh, for those of you, um, you know, again, who are listening at home, uh, Twitch.tv slash Rough Drafts Podcast. If you follow that, you'll know when we go live. And you can join us on these lovely live streams that we do. Uh, we love interacting with the crowd. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's, it's great to, to have you guys there if you can spare the time. Otherwise, you know, obviously, SoundCloud.com slash Esports Rough Drafts. iTunes, if you search for Rough Drafts in the podcast section, that's your audio-only version for those of you who like to take it on the go. YouTube.com, search Rough Drafts Podcast. We're this close to being able to have our own URL. But if you just search Rough Drafts Podcast, you'll find it. Just subscribe. You'll get all of our videos. You'll get any fun kind of highlight video we want to do. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll do something just, you know, for fun when we're in New York together. I have no idea. Um, we'll, I, bought we'll a brand, I bought a brand new portable charger that'll charge my phone five times on one charge of the portable thing. It's like, it's literally a laptop battery. Like I bought it and I looked at the dimensions on on Amazon. I was like, yeah, that's like yeah, that's like six inches. And then I opened it when I got home today, and I was like, this is this is like a brick. Like I could break a window with this thing. Like it, it's he- it's like hefty. I'm kind of surprised. I'm gonna have to like bring a backpack with me. Yeah, well, you'll have to. You know, you you can leave the backpack at home for the next part of this podcast. I think we're gonna take a quick, <laughs> let's say five minute break before we head into the semifinals. For those of I'm- you watching on Twitch. Uh, be sure to come back. We're going to talk about semifinals, guess the lines, all that fun stuff in about five minutes. So until then, goodbye. <laughs>